0: You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, C.C. Broadus, Alan Schneider, and Brandon Jaggers. Hello and welcome in to episode 21 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm your host, C.C. Broadus. And joined by my pal, Alan Schneider.
1: How are you doing, everybody? It should be a sin to have this much fun we're going to have this weekend with the Preakness and Keeneland and college football and God knows what else. It's it's a lot of fun, and today we are focusing on Keeneland.
0: Absolutely. And we're also less than 48 hours away from uh, Preakness 145 and the return of Kentucky Derby winner Authentic. But before we get to that, we've got a guest tonight. Uh, very excited for this one. Uh, tonight's guest is a huge fan of the sport of horse racing, probably going back many years. In fact, he's liked it so much, he's created a tip sheet called fatballguyracing.com. And I would go as far as calling it probably racing's first interactive tip sheet. His service covers all the major racetracks in North America. In addition to his tout service, he also operates a Keenelands Players Pool on behalf of BetPT, excuse me, BetPTC.com. And in the past few seasons he served as an on-air analyst for turfway park we're happy to be joined but dan cronin dan how you doing
2: excited as heck aren't you guys it's like uh you know christmas eve for us
1: <laughs> that's right man it's like christmas in october
2: yeah you're 100 right we, we need some we need some fun this year right i mean it's like everything that can go wrong has went wrong it's about time we have some fun we have some good racing you know, I know it's limited fans, but at least some will be there, and you know, a lot of good horses. I mean, these these cards coming up this weekend are unbelievable.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of going wrong, what happened to the Reds today?
2: I'll tell you what. I I was sitting with my dad, who I think you guys know was a scout for the Atlanta Braves for 30 years, and so he had kind of some mixed emotions on who was winning, but. uh he just kept looking at me going, I I just don't understand David Bell. He said, I've been watching baseball for sixty years and not one movie ever makes anybody, any any baseball guy other than some analytics guy, nobody agrees with anything he ever does.
3: He's like, you know,
2: you could, yeah, he's like you could take them books and stick them. You know, you how on earth you can pitch to Freddie Freeman with an open base in the bottom of what was it, the thirteenth? You know, I, I, he's one of the best players in baseball. How could you possibly pitch to him? I mean, every single, you know, long-time baseball guy was sitting there going, well, you got to walk him, load the bases. You got to pitch to the right-hander. Right. You don't bring in a left-hander to pitch to Freddie Freeman. I mean, you got to you know, be crazy. My, <laughs> <You> gotta-
1: <laughs> my buddy Chris Carim is the biggest Reds fan on earth, and he sent me the exact same text saying the exact same <clears throat> thing you just said, Dan, yesterday.
2: Very frustrated and then,
1: very frustrated.
2: How how about the double steal he tried? What is this high school?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean when Any he chance? tried that my my dad called immediately and was like, You got to be kidding me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Any chance we retain uh, Trevor Bauer?
2: Well, I, I think the way the Braves fans treated him today that uh it, it sure helped. I mean, he even tweeted out, I guess I'm I'm not welcome in Atlanta. Because you know, it look when you look at the different markets, uh, Anaheim, the Yankees, and the Braves are probably the three biggest competitors to get him. You know, if the Reds can't re-sign him, so that might have knocked out one of them. (laughs) So uh, it's just you know, he he doesn't want a real long-term deal. So you know, maybe three or four years at you know, on forty million a year. I mean, I don't know if the Reds are willing to do that, but. That's that's the market for him for sure. I mean, he's a he's an incredible pitcher. So I I, they should do everything they can. But the problem is the Braves are going to do the same thing. I mean, they've got all those young players, and all they need is a stud, and they're going to be dangerous for years to come. So, the same thing.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, let's let's shift our attention away from uh, depressing baseball, and (laughs) let's let's talk about some racing. Uh, First of all, let's let's get into your uh your uh, interest in, in horse racing what initially what attracted to you or excuse me what attracted you to the sport of racing
2: well my dad was a mutual clerk at River Downs from the time I was born so he would he he had more jobs he was a school teacher a basketball coach a brave scout and then he would punch tickets too so he was always working doing something but I would always go and Mick would always go with us uh, to River Downs. And, you know, we would just kind of run around all day while he was punching tickets. And then as we got older, you know, we started learning how to handicap and, you know, learning how to read the form and all that other kind of stuff. So by the time I was 15 or 16, I was already hooked. I mean, I was running when I was a When I was a sophomore or junior in high school, I used to run the bets for the school teachers down the River Downs. (laughs) Nice, nice. Yeah, during study hall, they would all come to me and say, all right, I want five to win on this horse and two to win, you know, because there's no ADWs back then. And I would be the one to run them down and run them back. So, yeah, I was a sicko from (laughs) from day one. Uh, Heck, I ran a book in college. Yeah. With, (laughs) with sports and horses and everything else. I mean, it was a zoo. So I've been into gambling my whole, my whole life and just, you know, I always loved horses and, you know, I'd always go down to Turfway or river downs and and hang out. And and then, uh, you know, it just started kind of developing from there, but I've been a sicko for a long, long time.
0: (laughs) So let's fast forward to today. Now we were talking about this, uh, earlier in the week, uh, Uh, we've gotten to be grizzled bitter horse players is is that would that describe you or what what maintains your interest in the sport
2: today well uh, it's funny you said that and twitter makes it very very hard but i think you guys have noticed on twitter i i really 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 try to focus and stay away from this guy's cheating that guy's cheating this jockey's cheating that jockey's cheating everybody's cheating the takeout's too high you know i i try to stay away from because mentally, you just, it's hard enough to win to where you're sitting there every day thinking you're getting cheated. And uh, so I, I just try to just stay focused on trying to find winners. And I, I got all my spreadsheets and my ADW sheets on my profit and loss and try to figure out how in the world can I get to, I know, I know with my own handicap and that if I can't pick 32% winners, I can't win. And that's when my money is down, not every single race. But when I make the wager, if I don't win 32%, I just cannot win. And it's a razor thin margin, you know, when you're talking about maybe a 3 or 4 or 5% rebate. Now you can pick 27% and still break even. But, you know, you got to jockey that. And then you got the other thing you got to do is you got to take shots, right? So if you don't bet a pick four, or pick five or pick six, and you're never taking shots, it's really hard to grind out a profit in these games. So you got to try to get lucky, but then you can also get buried doing that too. And that's the hard part with me on a, on a weekly basis is, all right, what card am I going to attack versus what card am I just going to try to make a couple win bets and sit back and it's tough, man. And and then you look down at the end of the year and wonder why, "God, why did I spend all this money at Saratoga and get buried?" Just because I like Saratoga, it's like I donate money to Saratoga every year. It's just, it's incredible. Nobody, nobody. I don't know anybody that beats Saratoga. anybody. And we all bet. We all love it. We all bet. We all lose our butt, and then the next year we all bet again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's no doubt it's a fun track to wager on. That's for sure. Hey, let's go back to Twitter real quick. Why is your handle called Keeneland Dan?
2: Well, it's funny when I when I first opened it years ago, it was. I opened it as a joke and it was mixed brother and it was open for about three months and he found out about it and called me screaming at me, wanting to kill me. So <laughs> I just said, well, I love Keeneland and I'm always betting Keeneland So to hell with it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to make it Keeneland Dan. And that was right about when we were opening up the fat ball guy stuff. So I was like, all right, we'll just do Keeneland Dan at fat ball guy racing. Well, then as I'm typing it in, it wouldn't let me put a G in cause I had too many letters. So that's why there's no G on the end. Cause back then you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't put that many letters after, after the at. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just, so I just kind of left it at that. It's, it's been that way ever since, but I mean, what's really weird is w- when when we went to start this, I, it wasn't even my idea. Um, it was a kid named Ryan Patterson, uh, actually called me one day and asked me if I wanted to go to Keeneland with him and his dad, this is got eight, nine years ago. And he said, I can, I can get you on TVG. And I was like, yeah, right. Whatever kid. I mean, he's like 21 years old. I was like, I know how the hell are you going to get me on TVG? Well, we get down there and we walk into this room. He walks right up to some producer and a guy walks over and goes, all right, we're going to put you on right after this race. And I was like stunned. I couldn't believe it. And so I went on the air, got off the air, and uh, they're all asking me, "Well, what are you, what are you betting on?" And I, I told them the to pick four and stuff, and we ended up all hitting the pick four. So Ryan looked at me and said, "You should sell your picks." And I'm like, "Hey, nobody gonna buy picks." He's like, "I'm telling you, he's like the Derby's coming up. I already got a website. He's like picks on my website, and then I'll split the money with you." So he does it. He calls me after the derby and he says, I owe you thirty six hundred bucks. And I went, what? <laughs> I was like, what? Are you, what? Thirty six hundred bucks for one day. And he's like, I told you. And I was like, well, shoot. So my neighbor was sitting in the backyard. We were laughing about it. My neighbor's like, well, I'm an IT guy at UC. I can build your website. and I can run it for you if you give me a little bit of money for it. And I was like, well, the hell with it. Let's try it. And that's kind of how it started. And CC, you know, we've experimented with so many different things over the years. I I think we got it now to where the people like it and, you know, 80 to 90 percent stay with us every year when we renew and we just keep building. And, you know, I know this year we'll take a step back because of the COVID stuff, but we really haven't taken a, a huge step back because we don't charge much. And, you know, that's the big difference between us and everybody else. I mean, would you rather pay $15 a day or 30 bucks a month? you know, with us, you just pay it once a month and you don't even worry about it. You pull the picks off anytime you want. And, and you said interactive. That's the other thing is we talk to everybody. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years. You know, it's not just a piece of paper. If somebody's got a question, they call, they text, they email, whatever, and we get right back to them. And I mean, a lot of the guys love doing the pools. And the funny part about the pools is people say, well, is your pool profitable? I'm like, well, some have been and some aren't, but it's not really even fair to judge it that way because when we're doing pools, we're trying to hit the moon. You know, these guys don't join a pool and want me to bet, you know, 500 to win on an eight to five shot. You know, they want that 500 to go on a pick five or pick six and try to hit for 20,000 or 50,000. So, you know, there's going to be pools where you go broke. I mean, it's just, you know, the nature of the business. I mean, Last pool, I could have sat there and just bet the whole 20,000 on one of the Chad Brown horses or one of the Steve Asmussen firsters we knew about, and we'd have profited. But if I do that, everybody's mad. You know, they don't want to do that. They want to have fun. They want to play every day. They want to fire at pick fives and pick sixes. So, you know, we've had fun with it. I'd say we're down a hair over the the years, but we're not getting killed because there's some pools that start at 10, end at 30, and, there's some that start at ten and they're done in two weeks. So right. <laughs> hopefully we hopefully we do better here in the at the fall meet at, at Keeneland because we're pretty strict at Keeneland. We're 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 gonna bet the pick fours and pick fives and we'll make an occasional straight bet and that's pretty much all we do is just try to fire and you know try to try to hit a twenty dollar pick four and and run it up. I mean that's that's all you can do really.
0: <laughs> yeah, personally you you I'd say the bulk of your wagering is probably on pick four and pick five tickets, right?
2: Yes. And straight. It's, I, I probably bet about 40 percent of my money is straight wagers. And I know that's really weird. Most people don't do that anymore. My dad don't even bet straight. He thinks it's nuts. But I just I do it more for my psyche than anything. I really do. I I got to have winners and it, it just drives me nuts. If I single a horse in a pick five and I blow the pick five and it happens all the time where you take four or five horses and you lose, then your single wins and you got nothing. It just drives me insane. So a lot of times, whoever I'm single and I'm also betting straight on. And if that, you know, if the single gets home, at least I know my pick fours and fives are covered and I almost got a free bet, you know, per se or something, you know. Uh, But I do enjoy betting straight because I'm I'm one of them guys. It's almost like shooting a free throw. I've got to have winners to just feel better, get confident, because the worst thing you can do in this game, and I'm as guilty as anybody, is start doubting yourself. You know, if you if, if if you doubt yourself in this game and who you're picking and, you know, you sit back, you wait for a horse for three weeks and then you bet 50 to win on him. I mean, that that's doubting yourself. I mean, you you're, you make, you know, fifteen hundred dollars worth the wagers all week long and then you wait for a horse. And you bet a whole 50 bucks on him. And it's like, what are you doing? And you got to be crazy. You got to skew your money towards your your top, you know, picks and and. I think a lot of guys make that mistake where they don't go after their their number one opinion on that card. They don't go after it enough. You know, they spread out too much throughout the card. And next thing you know, you spent, you know, fifteen hundred bucks and only fifty bucks or a hundred bucks was on your best bet of the day. And it just you can't you can't win like that. You just can't. you got to be able to pass races, which I know is really hard for everybody, even me. You know, you sit there and you got 40 minutes in between races and you weren't going to bet. Now, the next thing you know, you spent 25 bucks on the race because you're bored to death. Well, that stuff adds up. You know, that adds up a ton over time. And that's where so many people get killed on their ROI because they're just wasting money on on races they have no opinion on.
0: You answered quite a few of my questions here. I, I'm more of a pick four player. I've just started to dabble in the pick fives. Uh, it, concerning keeneland are you i'm probably going to play just about every pick four i can get my hands on at the meet. i mean do you look at it the same way i feel like i yeah. mean this is my keeneland april, or april and october these are my two best financially the, the two best meets of the of uh, the year for me so i mean i'm, I'm probably going to tackle every one of these i mean aren't you the same way
2: yes i am i i'm convinced that the pick four at keeneland is the way to play and i know they've incentivize the pick fives and everybody's running to these pick fives now but the the pick four you can hammer pick fours at Keeneland sometimes because they will hand you of the four races where two of them you just know only one or two horses can win and you can just hammer that opinion and spread out a little bit in the other two races where the pick fives are a little bit harder and I just don't see pick fives at Keeneland paying astronomical amounts. So even when you hit them for 50 cents, you got to hit a lot of them to be profitable, where with the pick fours, you can spend the same amount of money and you can have it for $3, $4, $5. And, you know, you're going to hit more of them because they're not as many races. I, I enjoy the pick fours of Keeneland a ton. And I, my whole theory is I love the single and I always try to pick one of those other three races and hit the all button. And I try to get lucky, you know, that's. That's just the way I play it. And then I may take two or three horses in the other races. And, you know, when you add, you know, two times, three times ten, you're at 60 bucks for a dollar. You know, you can hit that a few different times. And if you're right, you got You got a big chance. And and I, I try to stay away from the big favorites at Keeneland just from studying it over the years. There's been so many big name, big favorites that have went down. That if you just don't single them, single somebody else in the other three races. I I just think instead of you know it paying 200, it'll pay five or six hundred when you beat that horse. And I mean, there's a laundry list of big name horses that have gotten beat at Keeneland over the years.
0: What are you uh, or anything you're looking specifically at for this particular meet, this uh, fall meet at
1: Keeneland?
2: I like trying to attack dirt races. Um, I try to attack dirt sprints where I like the horse. that's in like the five, six, seven, eight holes uh, to where they got tactical speed. I don't like dead closers. I like horses that got, that got that tactical speed that can sit close. They don't necessarily have to be in the lead, but they can't be far back. I don't want dead closers at Keeneland on the dirt. And then I try to spread out a little bit on the turf. Like, for example, Saturday, that newspaper record, who I could punch in the head. Um, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. hate that horse. She cost me so much money on Derby Day. I had like, I was already counting my money. I was getting like ten or twelve grand back, and she's three in front and walking the whole way around and can't get home. Well, they're going to make her four to five again. Mm-hmm. So if you if yep. if you can if you can spread a little bit, take the lacka ten or twelve to one, take Bo Recall, take Uni, and just hope to beat newspaper record, that pick four, you can really attack that pick four to where you got a chance. You know, and and I just think there's there's races all throughout the days on Fridays and Saturdays um at Keeneland where, you know, you you can get some good solid prices. Um I mean there's a horse and you guys will probably already laughing about this. I mean, there's a horse Friday in the last race. Whoever made Royal Prince seven to two (laughs) Right. Has to be <laughs> yeah, has to be we, drunk, we know, right? We know. <laughs> don't I mean? Don't they have to be drunk? I mean, well, that's impossible. That I mean, impossible. Unless, unless the Chad Brown horse is some superstar. This field's way less than the than the field he already beat at Kentucky Downs.
0: Right.
2: So it's like, and, and the thing is, that horse will be second choice probably in all the pick fours because everybody will run to that daggone Chad Brown horse to where if you can just get you know one little price in that sprint with Echo Town and all them horses you know there you spread out in there that the couple of McPeak and Roman's horses in the uh in, in the in the stake and you could be looking at a serious pick four into a horse that's already got a win so i mean i, I just try to look for stuff like that that that, that people uh, sprints in the outside post. I, I say outside, but I don't mean the 11 and 12. I'm, I'm talking a normal race of eight or nine horses. I'm looking from the five hole out tactical speed. That That's my main thing. And a mile on the dirt, the new distance that they've been trying the last year, couple years now, you, you look at the stats. They don't ever win outside the six hole. So from six exactly. out, yeah. so you just throw them out. I don't even look at them. I really, I don't look at them. I take them and X them. And then I go to one through five and try to find the winner. And that's kind of how I just, I try to nail, I I try to nail races like that. And then, you know, like you, I'm trying to absolutely crush pick fours. Um, And I'm going to do it from the first bet all the way to the last bet. You know, Friday, I think that risky mandate horse in the early pick five, I, I don't know how they, if she, if they open the gate, and she's not dead last, I don't know how they could possibly beat her. I don't like the post and that's the only reason that I'll scale some bets back. Uh, but I love the races around her because they're wide open, you know, that far side at the two, the second race is completely wide open. Um, you don't laugh at this. I hate Julian Le Peru every day of the year, except these (laughs) 17, you know, I, 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 I never bet on him at any other track, but Keeneland, uh, because when you when you look at the stats, he just he does win at Keeneland. So you know he I think he gets better mounts at Keeneland. I think he's got a better feel for Keeneland, and I think the turf course plays better to him. The, you know his style of riding. And uh, so I'm not afraid to take Le Peru at Keeneland. I you know Gaff Leon has r- ridden there last fall. Gaffleyon r- rode really really good. Uh, but the weird thing about Le Peru and is, Last year, let me—I think I still got this up. I was looking at it. Yeah, there it is. They were uh, o for twenty o for twenty-seven in stakes races, but they were the two leading riders for the meet. Wow. I mean, when do you ever see that? Right. So they were winning a bunch of claiming races, allowance races, but you know when the money was down, they weren't getting the top horses because Ortiz was flying in, or Castellano, or Rosario. You know, the the other guys were flying in and getting the mounts and they weren't getting them. But in the regular everyday races, you know, they you throw out those twenty-seven races and they were really killing it. But so just normal races, that's I'm looking for Cafleon, I'm looking for Le Peru. Uh I avoid Castellano on big favorites for Chad Brown because I think last meet he had ten horses under even money go down. He just he, people bet Chad Brown like he's already won the race when, they, when he comes to Keeneland. And I don't know why, because the stats do not back it up, but they do. They yeah. everybody, bet, everybody bets Chad Brown the minute he's here. And he was seven for 30 last fall. I mean, yeah, he had a decent meet, but 23 of them were probably favorites. So I think you can get some good value, you know, just not singling the Chad Brown. You know, <laughs> trying to look for Maker, trying to look for Wilkes or McPeak. Things like that, and in the fall, I don't think you can. The baby races, you can't. So many trainers shoot for this meet that I don't think you can just say, "Oh, it's Wesley Ward. Let's go bet on him." It's not the spring, and in the fall, it's completely different. You just gotta, you know, you just gotta kind of spread out in them two-year-old races and try to get lucky. Because I mean, those two-year-old races sometimes you'll get horses like I'm a chatterbox that paid you know almost thirty dollars as a first-time starter. So I mean, you can get really nice two-year-olds that they don't bet on just by stabbing those those top trainers.
0: Well, let's talk about the Preakness for a bit. So there's no Tiz the Law, who was the runner-up in the Derby, but we've still got a solid field of 11. Uh, are you on the authentic bandwagon, or, or is there a chance for an upset here? Or art collector, or where are you at? I love art
2: collector. I Preach I was going to bet on it. If he ran in the Derby, I was going to make one of the biggest bets of my lifetime. That's how much I thought he was a cinch in the Derby. And I think it played out that he was going to win the Derby because there's no way Hernandez in the Derby would have let Authentic get over and make the lead like that, why they all took back and let him let him get to the front. And, and I don't think, now, Saturday, I'm not sure what Hernandez is going to do, but if I was him, I would look to my one of my best friends to my right, Robbie Alvarado, and he probably will know before they enter the gate what Alvarado's plan is. And if his plan is Gaff Leon cost this horse the Kentucky Oaks with his completely bonehead ride, now he's off. Alvarado's on. They they had to have told him to send. Right? I mean, there's no way they're they're coming to this race to rate that horse. Agreed. So they're going to open the gate, the filly's going to go. So if the filly goes, do you really want to go inside of her and get to the first turn, and now you're on the inside of a three-horse battle as Authentic swoop and trying to get to the lead? Or do you just take back, let the filly do the dirty work with Authentic, um, and then a thousand words won't be far off of it either. NY traffic's not going to be far off. So I, I think you're going to have you know four or five horses all up there and I think it's going to be up to BJ to just take back like he did in the bluegrass, let him sit a length off of it, let them do all the dirty work. And then on the turn, make your move. And I, I think, I think if I don't think there's anything wrong with the horse, I, I'm not sure there was anything wrong with him on Derby week. I think it just was a very minor thing. And they, they just didn't want to chance it. Cause Tom, Tom Drury's such a horseman. He didn't want to chance it. So, you know, I, I think the horse is fine and I, there's just, I think authentic won the Derby for two reasons. They let him get to the lead and speed that day was so good all day. It just carried him. And I I just don't think he's going to get an easy lead. I don't think that track's going to play that way. And I think our collector's a horse he hasn't seen before. So I'll be surprised if our collector's not right on the wire.
1: Very good. Alan, do you have any questions for Dan? Oh, I could talk to Dan all day long and, We will do that once uh, these back in. But uh, (laughs) exactly something I I actually, because I'm a Kentucky horse player. This is a Kentucky podcast, and I know you're fond of Turfway. I'm fond of Turfway, but now we don't have the old Turfway anymore. We're gonna be looking forward to the quote-unquote new Turfway. What are you hearing about that? When can we expect it to be open? Uh, Where is it gonna be at? What what can you tell us about new Turfway?
2: Well, from what I've been told, it'll be open and ready for next winter. Uh, so this winter, they're going to run, but the, the track will be brand new. They're putting in, from I was told, they're putting in a tapita. So it won't be poly anymore. It'll be the Golden Gate uh, tapita surface. And then they're going to have no fans at all, which is kind of a perfect year for that, because uh, nobody else does anyway, because everything is going to be wrecked. And then the fans are all allowed to go over to... Uh, You guys know the difference between Covington and Newport? Yes. So over in Newport, they built in a strip mall an off-track wagering thing that just opens tomorrow, actually, that they've been building for six months uh, to to host all all the Turfway players until they're ready to bring them back on site. And then that'll stay open, too, and obviously they're hoping sports comes along with it. Uh, you know down the road so if I wanted to go over there and bet tomorrow I could it's open you know all the old timers are going over um, and then so now when Turfway is ready to open again next winter it's going to be like a full blown casino type a lot like Gulfstream type deal where yeah. you got the track you got the the horse park but the, the main parts the slot machines and all those uh, I guess they call them the racing slots the same thing Kentucky Downs has and they're going to have multiple floors of it and of course they're preparing for full-fledged gambling eventually they're hoping eventually they have the table games and sports uh and then it'll be just if that happens it'll be the mecca of the whole you know tri-state everybody will come there which is you know which would be great so we'll see um I'm hoping to be a part of it it's always a a tug of war because of where I bet at <laughs> Yeah. everybody wants you to you know, drf don't want to promote you too much because you don't bet with them tvg don't want to put you on because you don't bet with them you know twin spires all oh, we want you to come down and be on the breeder's cup show Oh, wait, you don't bet with twin spires you're not allowed you know so it's always some kind of hang up um but so far so good i mean gary and i are friends and uh i'm hoping to be a part of it somehow you know whether i'm the analyst again or or whatever i'm not sure but uh it's not like they're paying top dollar. <laughs> and I and I keep telling us, I'm probably the only guy in the city that don't care if you ever pay me because I'm there anyway. I can promote my other company and, you know, you don't have to pay me. And they're like, well, that that's a good idea. <laughs> so I'm hoping that'll just roll into the new session. And I'm hoping for a little bit better horses. You know, if we can just get the Churchill horses to stay, yes. Yes. you know. Get the Indiana horses to stay and not have, because the rumor is, and I haven't talked to these guys personally, but the rumor is that Corey Lannery, BJ Hernandez, Robbie Alvarado, they all live in Kentucky and they don't want to keep going to the fairgrounds. I was told, and their families don't want to keep doing it. So that they're, they're hoping that when the purses are a little bit better and the racing's a little bit better, they'll all just stay there. And if they all stay at Turfway, now you got way better riders, you know. And once you get better riders and you get better trainers, and with the better purses, then you got better racing. Um, so that's what I'm hoping. And in the Tapita, we'll see how that plays. Uh, the poly wasn't bad, really. I mean, it played pretty fair. You I had to like come down. I, you know me, I'm, I'm probably the only guy, maybe me and you in the country, to wishes Keeneland would have stayed Polly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah.
2: laughs> I loved all the big payoff.
1: Oh, yeah. you know, boxcar payoffs.
2: Oh, you know, and, and, and turfways like that, if you can get 10 or 12 horse fields, which early in the meets, they get it. And then as they go on through January and February, they start losing all those horses, right. um, which which hurts. So if they can just keep the field size up, I think the pools, you know, ever since we got involved three years ago, the pools went up 14% the first year, 12% and 12% the next two years. Now, I laugh and take credit for it. I'm sure it's not just me. But ever since our group and Twitter and people started tweeting about, you know, Turfway every night and playing Turfway every night, the pools have went up. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping with the racing getting better, everybody around here continuing to play it. I'd rather bet Turfway than Golfstream in the winter. I know that because Gulfstream's hard. And I don't think Turfway is near as hard. And I think, you know, you can win at Turfway.
1: I've been saying it for years, Dan, that uh, CC will tell you that I've been saying that for years. You turf, people think Turfway is, it was that uh, problematic. No, you pay attention. You, you can beat it. You can beat it. Well, you could yeah. beat it. I don't know about any more. We'll see.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, some of these, some of these trainers, you know, they, they ship these trainers in and you got to learn who in the heck they are sometimes, <laughs> but, yeah. but mm. I'm biased like you guys. I mean, I wish I was disciplined enough to just bet Churchill, Keeneland, Ellis, and Turfway and Kentucky downs. If, if I did that, if I showed you guys my account, you'd crack up laughing. You'd be like, well, why don't you just bet Kentucky? I'm like, cause I'm not disciplined enough. I got to bet Belmont and Saratoga. And then I get bored and I bet Delmar and Santa Anita. And it's like negative, 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 negative. And it's like, why do you keep donating money? I'm like, I know I'm just, I'm a sick, I'm a sick degenerate. I can't just sit back and not bet, you know, and I'm not a con, I'm not a contest guy. I tried that stuff. I just, and, and more power to them guys that can do that. I, it's a different way of betting. It's a different way of gambling. And I just, I can't sit there all day on some website and bet fake $2 and then be all happy that my 50 to one, won And what did I get for it? An entry into another contest. I was like, right. how, how is Thank that fun? No Thank you,
1: life. I know. You're absolutely know. right. <laughs> absolutely
2: right. And and it was funny. Three years in a row, I qualified for the NHC. And the first year I qualified in my buddy's name, who had to go to a wedding, and he entered a contest. He called me and asked me if I'd play it for him. And I qualified. So I made him go to Vegas. I wouldn't go. Then the next year, I accidentally qualified in my own name because I finished in the top 15 in the Breeders' Cup thing. So they gave me an entry, and I said, do I have to go? <laughs> and they said, please go. It's not it's not right to not go. And I'm like, well, all right. So I took my girl out there with us and just, just basically goofed around the whole time. I could have cared less. And then the third year, you know, Huey, Big Huey, uh, he calls me, and he's got to go to a Bengals game. And he put two entries in and some, I don't know, some website I never even heard of before. And he's like, can you play this for me? I'm going to be at the Bengals game. So I just put the picks in, didn't even pay attention. And uh, he calls me later on. He's like, hey, if the five wins this race, we're both going to Vegas. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're sitting in third place. I was like, oh, no. I didn't. I was hoping the horse lost. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to go back to the NHC again. And, of course, the, the horse wins. And I'm like, wow, oh, thank on it. You know, I mean, I've been to Vegas like 20 times. Like, I don't, I'll go to Vegas. I don't want to go out there for that. I want to go out and have fun. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys are, to me, that is the most boring three days. And again, more power to the guys that, that do it and love it. I mean, it's just different. I mean, I, I would rather go out there and bet 35 basketball games and see, see who has the most winners. You know, I just. I, I don't know. I, it's like every race, everybody's rooting for the thirty and forty to one shots. And, and if right. a favorite wins, if a favorite wins, the whole the whole room starts moaning. <laughs> it's yeah. hysterical. It's like, well, I guess the favorite won. Everybody's mad, throwing their stuff, walking back to their table.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. If there's a hundred people in the contest and it comes down to the last race sixty people have the fifty to one shot that wins, you know. Whereas, you know, normally yeah, there'd be like two or three people in the stands that would bet that fifty to one shot. So that, that's that's what I don't like about contests.
2: Same here. Well, what was what was really frustrating to me too is so I've been waiting on a couple horses at Turfway and so the contest was kind of winding down a little bit and I walk up to the window to bet Turfway and the guy says, Well you can't bet Turfway. And I'm like, Well what what do you mean I can't bet Turfway? Like no no casino in the whole uh Las Vegas area will take Turfway. Wow. I was like, Really? You're going to force me to bet on my phone? He's like, Oh, you, you're you not allowed to bet on your phone in here. I said, So, wait a minute. So, I can't bet Turfway through the window, but I can't bet on my phone either. I just started uh, laughing. I, I said, Well, I'll see you in my room. I, walk, I walked <laughs> up to my room, opened my computer, and bet Turfway sat in my room, bet Turfway all night.
3: <laughs> well, damn. Talked- <laughs> Go
2: ahead. Guys, uh, so I flew all the way to Vegas to sit in a hotel room and play turf <laughs> wet. Well, well, before can we it. let
0: you go, uh, tell, uh, tell us, uh, like new and veteran horse players alike, why they should look into horse. Uh, excuse me, uh, FatballGuyRacing.com.
2: Well, you know, I always say this: we all want to pick our own horses. That, that's the biggest thing. People are like, "Well, I don't want your stuff. I want to pick my own," and that's fine. But we all want. Just like you two guys are buddies. When you go to the track together, what do you do? Who do you like? Who do you like, right? Yes. Well, there's so many people in this country that don't have that guy. They don't. They have the buddy that sits there and drinks beer that's never read a form before, or they're there with their wife who's never picked up a form. They have nobody to ask. So when you look at a race and you're like, man, I don't really know. I'm between the 3, 4, and a 6. I'm right. Instead of being able to ask a buddy of yours that you know put in the work, you know tried hard to to figure it out, now you can just pull our sheet up and say, oh, okay, cool. Dan likes the four, too. So do I. And it just reassures you that, okay, I'm on the right horse here. Or if you're betting a pick four or five, and you don't have any grasp on that race. And we all are there all the time whether you got no grasp on this race. Now you can flip to the sheet, and you know that I'm putting in as much work as possible. It's not just a sheet I'm throwing together in two seconds. I mean, every one of our guys work their butts off to put good, solid picks on that sheet, and we all do the ABC to try to do that. So I just think it's a, it's a, it's a tool that's very, very cheap. I mean, heck, $30 a month, it's $7 to get a form You know, every yeah. day. So you're, it's pennies. And we got, you know, five, six, seven tracks every day. We're putting in all kinds of work. And and here's the, other, here's the other part of it that I've had so many people say to me, how in the world did you know about that horse? There's no way. How did you find out about that horse? Well, <laughs> it's because of all of our years in the business. We all know owners. We all know trainers. We all know jockeys. We all know guys in the, and I have found out that asking a trainer is a complete waste of time after all these years. You need to ask the groom. You need to ask the exercise rider. Those are the guys that really know. I mean, it's funny. My brother thinks he gets he gets good horses from a certain barn, and then he'll call me with a horse. I'll say, that's funny. The groom told me not to bet on that horse, and then he'll get <laughs> then he'll get mad. And the horse, the, the, the horse just ran like fourth the other day, and he's like, "Damn it!" He's like, "How how do you?" I was like, "Because the grooms know, and they're not going to lie to you. The trainers, they like everybody." I mean, Kenny McPeak has never run a horse in his life he doesn't like. You know, Dale Romans the same way. They love every horse. So when guy says, "Oh, you know, Dale Romans called my buddy and told me," I just start laughing. Where we we're we're at the ground level finding out stuff. And CC, you know, that's Steve Asmussen information. You're not getting that anywhere else. You're just not. I mean, I can't. I mean, of the 25 first-time starters he ran. We probably knew about 20 of them, whether they could run or not run and not run is just as good as knowing if they can run.
1: true.
2: I mean, the other day, I couldn't believe I lost uh, that money. Moxie, I think Brandon, the last race at Churchill the other day was three to two. I told my dad I was single to him for 3,700. I said, I don't know how I can lose this race. He said, why? I said, well, the Asmussen first time starters, two to one, and I know he's dead. He's crippled. He's dead. He has absolutely no chance. And he's two to one. How can I lose this bet? And the Chad Brown first time starter runs me down on the last step. And I just threw everything in my backyard. But that's the (laughs) but that's the advantage you've got. If you know that information going in, that you're staring at the board and, you know, a Todd Fletcher's eight to five and he can't run. You've already been told that that information is gold and when you get, and we're, we don't lie. And we put it around the sheet. We were told Todd Pletcher's horse cannot run. We've only been burned one time in about six years of putting that on the sheet where the horse actually won the race. And we look stupid. The other times the guys are like, how did you know that horse couldn't run? He was eight to five. I'm like, because we call and we do things that, and we got relationships to try to find that stuff out, to give the small player a chance, you know, I mean, you, when you look at the board and there's four coxes, you know, that are all even money on the card, how do you know which one can really run and which one can't? I mean, it's a guess. And a lot of times we don't know, but there's a lot of times we will put around a sheet. We knew all those Cox horses on Derby week were live and every one of them on the sheet where this horse can really run. We were told he is ready for this week. All his firsters are going to run big. I think he won four or three or four first time starter races, you know, bye. I don't know how the guy that only plays twice a month could possibly get that information for $30 a month. So, I mean, that that's, those are the two reasons I tell everybody, you know, besides having a buddy next to you and getting some information now and then that nobody else can get, especially a casual player. They can't get that. They just can't, you know, I, so it's different if we were charging $350, (laughs) you know, for a month, then I'd say, yeah, you know, you, you better not do that. But, but for th- what's 30 bucks, three, three Starbucks. <laughs> right. Well, you Dan, know, it's not, it's nothing.
0: Dan, I can vouch for you. I, I know you put in the hard work, especially on the weekends. That's, you know, when you get all your players to chime in, that's when the, that's when the, uh, the most of the people, uh, place their wagers anyway. Uh, uh I think it's, it's a good time to wrap it up. Uh, Dan, I appreciate you coming on. This has been a great conversation. I, I hope we can have you on some more in the future. Cause, uh, you, you you add a whole lot to our podcast. Alan, you got anything else you want to you wanna add or ask Dan?
1: No, I just want to uh, tell Dan we got to get together, get everybody back in these racetracks, right? Get everybody back Absolutely. in here, have some fun, have some beer, have some chili, have some nachos or whatever. And when we do, first one's on me, man.
2: Sounds good to me. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's the other thing with Fat Ball Guy. I mean, I've met so many friends, you guys. And then about, I mean, you see our groups that come to Kentucky Downs, come to Churchill, come to Keeneland. It's a blast getting everybody together. Cause I mean, how many of people in your like circle of life actually like horses besides you two, you know, it, yeah. it ain't like we got 20 guys. I got like two, you know, <laughs> and they're one one's 85 and one's 79. <laughs> like, right. right, So I, I, I love going out of town and meeting up with you guys and having a blast and, you know, I can't wait till it gets back to normal. I just can't, I can't wait. It, we we've got to do it and do it even more.
1: Right on, brother. Right on.
0: Absolutely. So everybody, go visit fatbaldguyracing.com and sign up for the subscription service. And and I guarantee you, you'll you'll get a you'll get a run for your money. That's for sure. So uh, thank you, Dan, for joining us. And uh, good luck at Keeneland this fall.
2: Thanks, guys, for having me.
0: Okay, that was Dan Cronin. Everybody, now we're joined. By Brandon No Show Jaggers, just like a George <laughs> Jones show. Brandon, how are you doing this evening?
3: Very well. Just cracked open my, cracked open my first uh, Miller Lite and can't wait to go through the Keeneland card. Saturday is going to be very busy. It's going to be a dual TV setup in the day, sit down on the patio, and I can't wait.
0: All right. Well, this is an 11 race card. Money management is going to be key. On Saturday, as you've got uh, Pimlico running simultaneous to the Keeneland card, so you're going to have to keep an eye on both as as both present extraordinary wagering opportunities. We're just going to cover the last six races of the Keeneland card. Race six, the Woodford Stakes, five and a half furlongs on the turf, starts the $300,000 guaranteed pick five with a 50-cent minimum. And the morning line favorite is on the rail, that's Extravagant Kid at 5-2 to two for Brendan Walsh and Tyler Gafleone. In his latest start, he was second at Churchill on Oaks Day in the turf sprint stakes of grade two, where he was defeated by Diamond Oops. Uh, this is a competitive field, though. Extravagant Kid is only 0-3 at Keeneland with just one third-place finish. Uh, Brandon, we'll start with you. I think there's a chance we can beat the favorite here, Right. Oh, yeah.
3: I'm tossing that rail shot today. I don't like it whatsoever. I respect it, but it won't come out the winner. I'm going to go outside to Leinster. My top choice. Been working at Keeneland on the grass. Can't wait to see this horse do the thing it's supposed to do and come out and win after it won the Shakertown last out in July. Big layoff. That's a question, but you know, that's my top choice. I'm following it up with real news. Uh I think Al Stahl has got a, a great horse here. Uh last time out the, the the turf was not very firm. It was just good. And I think this this horse needs real firm turf and which should sprint home with fast boat number two in third.
1: Alan. Um I don't know who y'all think I'm gonna pick. Um, <laughs> it's close. It's close. I'm gonna shock you a little bit here. Again, we talked about head versus heart uh, when you're when you're uh, betting horses and stuff. My heart is with Just Might from Michelle Level, our buddy. Uh, we know this horse means a lot to her. This horse may set the pace in this race. I think, and it's possibly sitting on a big effort. I think he is one of them who can win this race along with Fast Boat. I think about seven can win the race. Let me, let me backtrack. I'm going to be pulling for just might. I think the horse very easily can win this race. Because I think it's going to be the, the pace factor. Kobe Hernandez rides the horse best. Michelle Lovell really loves the horse. So that is going to be on my tickets. But my, one of my best bets of the day is in this race, and that is Chaos Theory. Oh. John, John Sadler and Ronis Racing, when they team up, bring them out, bring them out east, they usually do real well. Uh John Sadler claimed this horse. Uh, well, I should say Horonas claimed this horse back in, in uh June and took him out to Del Mar. Uh the last, ran that last quarter in his win in uh, the grade three in under eleven seconds, ten and three, ten and four. Uh he has Umberto Rispoli on him, who is Kentucky fan, Kentucky uh racing fans are gonna get to know him real well. He's an excellent turf rider from California. He comes out to, uh, to ride at Keeneland today, so Sadler, Heronis, and Chaos Theory is, is the horse I like in here. That said, I would be more than happy to lose to Just Might with Michelle LaBelle, but I like Chaos Theory.
0: Yeah, for me, I'm probably going to go three deep in here. I'm, I'm with Brandon. My top pick is number eight, Leinster, for Rusty Arnold. Uh, this guy, he's never been worse than second, going five and a half on the turf one time, so it's... Four wins, two seconds out of seven starts. Never been out of the exact of Keeneland on the grass. I, I think he's probably sitting on a big, big effort. Uh, he ran huge on uh, Shakertown Day uh, back on July 11th. That's his last start. I think uh, this horse is probably ready for another big effort here. Let's not dismiss uh, Michelle's horse here just might. This, oh, this, this, he might be Lone He speed. might be the
1: one. Yes, Lone There's speed, no very well.
0: There's no real speed in this race. Uh, I don't see anything. that. There's no confirmed front runners. And I think uh, just you know based on the day, the racing form, uh, time form figures, this horse might fall into a fairly easy lead, if you can say that, at a 5.5 furlong turf race. So I think just might race a shot. And I'm with you, Alan, on chaos theory. I, I like the idea of uh, uh, using uh, Umberto Rispoli, who's uh, dominated uh, California racing on the grass along with Flavian Pratt. I think it's these three for me. And, you know, if I play a pick five, uh, I I don't know if I'll go much further than those three. So let's go to race seven. This is a Thoroughbred Club of America Stakes. It's a grade two, and it's $200,000 for Phillies and Mare's three years old. And up, we're going six furlongs on the dirt. And the favorite is on the rail. Speaking of Humberto Rispoli, this is number one sneaking out for Jerry Hollendorfer and this filly's won her last two starts, both graded stakes on the West Coast. Uh, prior to that, she ran mid-pack in a really, really tough edition of the winning color stakes at Churchill, and before that, she kind of burst onto the scene at Oaklawn, uh, t- took some really, really heavy backing at the windows and beat a really nice filly named Bye-Bye-J. She's the favorite here in a a field of seven with a ton of speed in contrast to the race before Allen, uh, where are you at in the TCA stakes?
1: Yeah, I don't think this is the best edition of this race we've ever seen, but as you said, there is a ton of speed in here. And the, the thing to be concerned as is ladies Island on the outside for Danny Gargan is the absolute speed of the speed. The horse has never been headed or come close to being headed out of the gate. So this horse is going to send and likely burn up some of the other speed. It makes it a tough trip for some other horses, that said, I, I kind of like the rail draw now of sneaking out for Rispoli. Um, I think uh, the rail draw helps because once uh, this uh, the outside horse clears, he he could sit and sit the rail trip and try to uh, use the class to go on by. So uh, I'm not crazy about the race, the Grade Two. I think it's a bit of a weak Grade Two. That said, I think sneaking out is going to trip out well, and maybe run
3: down the outside speed. Brandon. Yeah, my big knock about sneaking out—if you got to go a couple races back, you know she ran against Bell's the One, Break Even, Me and Mischief, could not hang, could not hang with that group at all. So, you know, I'm kind of looking a little bit differently, and I'm I'm going to go outside to Ladies Island with uh, Tyler Gaffleyon as my top choice. Uh, A lot of barn changes and things—I don't really care about that too much. It makes me feel. A little funny but this is a race i'm going to spread uh another big shot i know y'all are gonna laugh and i hope you do on probation i think this horse has been working out lights out lights out and i think this could be a little bit of speed i hope to come running to get somewhere underneath so i'm actually i'm going outside and working in i do think you know sneaking out a very respected horse i, I just don't want it wanted to win i don't think she can win uh so my biggest big shot is on probation for the day uh but you know i'm taking palace avengers my second choice ladies island is first choice and then followed by on probation and rounding out with sneaking out
0: so there's a, a ton of speed to the outside here i'm I, if you all know jonathan kinchin he does uh analysts for uh analysis for uh Fox sports uh, he he says you know when you're when you're spreading out in a race like this and there's a lot of speed in here always take the supreme speed because that that's likely the horse that's going to clear the others
1: yes and then exactly. the
0: others will just take back so i think uh, ladies island has a huge chance here she she i don't think there's any doubt she'll be on the lead and then it's a question of whether or not she can last the six furlong so i i, I would get her a, a big shot i think uh, the race sets up though for sneaking out on the rail with Rispoli. And, you know, I think she'll probably set a, a good trip if she can get through. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not crazy about the odds on Dos Vinos. She's 7-2 to two for Brett Cow. I mean, I think this filly's okay here. I think, like, sneaking out, she should trip out and maybe has a chance to to get part as well. All right, let's go to race eight. All right, now, here's the head scratcher of the day. This is the first lady stakes. It's a grade one, purse of $350,000, fillies and mares three and up, one mile on the turf. And we got to make a decision here. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that newspaper of records going to fall into an easy lead. Yeah. The question is, you know, is she going to settle? If she settles and just runs her race, she should win this. But she was a tad bit ranked last time, They had the same scenario, went off one to two, and could not hold off a late charge of bowl recall. So, Alan, what do we do here?
1: Uh man, I don't know. But first off, it seems like to run the first leg, Sweet Melania should be in the race, right? But I guess, I guess she's not doing real well. Good uh, Yeah. Um. Man, I don't know. Newspaper record. I think Dan alluded to it earlier. This horse is 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 maddening. You think the horse is an absolute lock, and she looked like looked like an absolute lock last time at Churchill. I mean, could not have had things any easier, and still gets run down. So to to take the horse who's going to have an easy lead again today. Um, there's some good horses in here against her. I don't know how to play it. Uh, I can see where you would want a single newspaper record from the pace, but I, I, I like Uni. I think Uni has been a disappointment so far this year, but class-wise, if, if he, uh, she comes back to her form at all, I mean, she's the best horse in the race. But again, there's the pace factor, newspaper record. I'm, I'm a little torn on what to do. If you want to try to cover the race, you would want to use – Bull recall, newspaper record, and, and Uni, I would think. But man, if, if someone can point me h- how to make sense of this small field, I'd appreciate it. I'm leaning to Uni. Yeah. I,
3: uni and I, I've got a love hate relationship. I think this horse hadn't had form in a little while, though. And she's just always going against really tough competition. Uh, I mean, it's a phenomenal horse. I mean, there's no knocking it. It's just maybe time to retire. You know, yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't retire by now, but you know, you came off of, you came off the Breeders' Cup Mile win, retire. So I mean, that's all you got to do, go to the shed. But you know, I think you're right. Newspaper Records definitely the class of the bunch here. The speed. I mean, well, Uni's got class, but Newspaper Records got speed. Uh, and and that horse should hold on and and do really well here. I'm playing Newspaper Record. Daddy's a legend. is second. And then I love Brad Cox and Bo Recall. I think that horse can definitely compete here. Uh, Should not take the pace, you know, lay off the pace, but maybe close late. The run lines are funny. It just depends on the horse. And then Crystal Lake, I'd love to follow that horse. Uh, I don't know why they would do sprints at Ellis and Kentucky Downs, but maybe this horse might have something to pick up a consolation prize
0: you're insane
3: i know you've lost
0: your mind (laughs) yeah
1: you know uni uni is back in against phillies here (laughs) uni's back in against the phillies i can i expect a better a better effort from uni uni's gonna be my top selection even though the pace scenario doesn't really figure um yeah you know you you kick out a couple of the uh two four-star daves and this horse is virtually unbeaten against uh against a female so i'm gonna give uni one more shot here I'm, I'm i'm leaning that way what do you think you're gonna do cc what do you I, do, How do you...
0: i, I there, there's no I, I don't know i i, I this, is a, this is a real brain buster because I, I think maybe the best thing to do if you're gonna play horizontals is maybe single newspaper record because she should win this race there i mean it sets up for unless you know Dalica. Runs with her early. I don't think that – I don't think they want any part of the lead here, though. No, no. You know, maybe, maybe hang on for third and get a grade one placing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if if newspaper record is going to be my single and then I'll play another ticket with Bo Recall, newspaper record, uni. I don't know about daddy, daddy's a legend. I mean, she she's based at Keeneland, so maybe she'll run a big one. You know, here is – in her third start off the layoff, that's when horses are supposed to improve the most, so – you know it's it's uh it's an odd race. I, I'm looking forward to it. Another race I'm looking forward to those race nine. This is the Claiborne Breeders' Futurity, Grade One, four hundred thousand dollars for two-year-olds. And well, this is a, this bunch has got a got a lot of potential future stars here. Going to be uh, a morning line favorite of number four, Essential Quality, who was very 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 impressive on Derby Day back on September fifth. For Brad Cox, it's the son of Tappet. I have a a elusive quality, excuse me, elusive quality mare ridden by Luis Saez this time, and uh, you know this is going to be one of the ones. uh, uh, Brandon, uh, what's your opinion of the uh, the Breeders' Free Charity this year?
3: Uh, I, I, you know, these two-year-olds are always a question mark. You never know how they're going to line up, start, and so on. Uh, I'm looking at founder calibrate and I really love upstriker a ton so uh, you know they just don't have a lot of starts everybody looks for prices in these two year olds I can't tell you how many times I've been devastated by a favorite or co-favorite in a two year old start for such a for such a great you know grade 1 race so you know, you're asking a whole lot of a two-year-old to go a mile 16th, if you ask me. Uh, I, I'm looking, I like Upstriker, followed by, you know, two of the favorites with Ricardo and Joel. They're on the mouth for a reason, so I, I can't really get too elaborate here. I don't really like the race, but those are my choices.
0: Alan, isn't Founder the worst name for a racehorse you could ever come up with?
1: Uh, it's it's kind of dull. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm surprised that the money they spent on the horse didn't come up with a better name. But uh, yeah, I'll give you that. I think the I horse mean, that's is that's what happens
0: when you eat too much grass, right? You just you you, <laughs> you you eat too much at the buffet at Golden corral You just go home and lay on the bed and founder.
1: <laughs> I see. What no, you're that's doing flounder.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, um, this horse may flounder in here. I don't. It's it's. I think it's a really good race. A lot of talented two year olds in here. I know the money is going to gravitate to essential quality, who I think is that Sean Bridgmahan did everything he could to get this horse you know, to rate this horse last time. This horse was running down horses' backs. He almost broke his neck trying, trying not to keep this horse in line. This horse has a huge uh, future, huge upside for Godolphin. I think calibrate for Steve Asmussen does too because this horse was in a one of the higher rated maiden races at Saratoga and uh, won that race with ease, drew off with ease after being stuck on the rail. I think those are the two most likely winners. Founder was impressive in his debut. Uh, I mean, and you've got some price horses here that the two-year-old's stretching out. You never know who's going to pop. McPeak's got one on the outside who could who could easily uh, run big, just like um, the upstart horses. Brandon mentioned upstrike for Ron Moquette. A lot of ways to go. I'm leaning towards... Essential Quality and Calibrate is the top two I would use, but uh, I, I think it's a pretty damn good race.
0: I think we have to include number nine, King Fury. I remember Tom Amos one time saying that any horse that breaks his maiden go on two turns, even at any level, even if it's at Mountaineer Park or something like that, it, that horse has some type of quality, and I think this horse probably fits that bill. He's a son of Curry out of Taurus. Taurus was a nice sprinter, oh. I think, for Simon Callahan. They gave nine hundred fifty thousand dollars for this this guy, so you know coming. I I don't like the post, but you know in a nine horse field, it's not the worst thing in the world. But I think this horse is is worth a worth a look at twelve to one. But you know there's some heavy hitters to his inside too. So you know this is probably a this probably a spread worthy race. But I I think you have to include number nine King Fury. All right. So let's uh let's go to the feature on the card on a Stellar card. This is the Shadwell Turf Mile, $750,000, a Grade 1 again for 3 years old and upward. It's a mile on the Keeneland grass course and it looks like the favorite in a wide open field is going to be number 2 Holiday for Todd Pletcher ridden by Luis Saez and he was last seen winning the Grade 1 Four Star Dave at Saratoga over the Philly Got Stormy and you know, he, he'll be on the lead here. Alan, uh, what say you? Is this uh, another soft pace?
1: You know, this this one scares me because it it's, you I tell yourself it just can't be this easy, can it? Because um, there's a lot, there's four Chad Brown horses in here, a lot of good uh, turf uh, milers in here. But man, it looks like it couldn't have come up any better for Holiday. Holiday's a horse I love. You know that. I think the horse is a pure miler. His brilliant speed, Louis, Louis Saez fits the horse like a glove. Uh, the last race at Saratoga when he wired him, I mean, he held Get Stormy at bay. Who Get Stormy appeared to be in bad form, but that race was a signal of how good Get Stormy has, has re-gotten. And that horse proved it next time out of Kentucky Downs when he blew uh, he blew him off the track. It looks like Halliday gets the lead to herself. I know that there's a lot of hype behind the return of analyze it for chad brown and that horse could prompt the pace and you i hate to say that holiday looks like good. you've got raging bull in the race and you've got uh Bowie's hero who i think won the race last year without parole but uh, i'll single Halliday and hope for the best because size is going to send send the horse to the lead and should get it and when the horse gets a lead a mile is right up his alley so give me uh give me holiday once again
0: I'm surprised you didn't show any love for parlor uh, with Umberto Rispley. I think that, that this, uh, he might fit this horse like a glove. It just may be what the I've, doctor thought yeah.
1: I've thought that. And I thought that he might like try to get out there, uh, early on, uh, close to the pace and maybe try to wear down Halliday. but I think Halliday might run away from, him. but yeah, parlor would be a B for me in this spot. I've gotten frustrated with this horse run so well all the time and not winning, but that said, I've, I've got to take Holiday on top. But I, there is love being sent uh, Parler's way with Rispoli on him.
0: Okay, Brandon.
3: Well, guys, you know, I, I love watching. I think I watched almost every race at Kentucky Downs. I was on vacation for that short meet. And uh, Flavius is my winner here. Flavius with Chad Brown. That horse, if you can run on Kentucky Downs track and come from off the pace, you know, you know, maybe seventh place. You know, but you were too back from the from the pace going a mile there. You're well conditioned. This horse is going to run, run, run. I, I, you know, the whole deal is it's a Chad Brown race. So how are you going to play else? You know, around Chad Brown, he's got four entrants in here. It's really hard. I love a var, the outside horse number eleven. I think could come in uh, second under Flavius. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tilt my hand a little bit here to Brendan Walsh uh, coming out of Kentucky Downs with a nice wind going away, uh, born great to come underneath. Uh, it, Halliday, okay, I have to include it. Anything you do, you got to include that horse. But I think you can definitely beat Halliday here uh, at Keeneland, the Shadwell Turf Mile. I, I think Brendan Walsh is due. He needs a graded win this year. He's had a couple, I think. Uh I think he's been outside a lot of them, though. He's had some bad luck too. So uh it's just gonna be hard to beat Chad Brown, but I, I do like how uh, you know, to include Hallidale in the very end. I really love Born Great, Flavius, and Navarre.
0: Well, let's talk about that Kentucky Downs race, the tourist mile september 7th uh my post their past performances say they went 22 and 2 44 and 3 107 and 4 early on in that race do you do you guys show the same thing yeah it does and i remember super that race
1: fast. i don't think i don't remember that race being that fast but then did it, they don't post the fractions do they during the race no yeah, a- well i can't
0: i think they did this year but i can't remember if they did on this day uh it seems like the uh, while well, i went back and watched the race and the uh Field was tightly packed. So, and remember, there's a lot of timing issues
1: with yes the,
0: right, with the meet in general. And they said, you know, the the distances weren't necessarily accurate. Uh, so I don't <laughs> know how to view this race now. Flavius looked really, really good winning the race. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't a lot of the winners opening? I can't remember. This was opening day or second off day the of the race. They came off. from off the pace and they came out came out wide, right?
1: Yes, right, okay.
0: well, it, you know i I would just take a look at, like Brandon said, number eleven, Ivar, this is the uh, Brazilian horse. I think this horse is really rounding into form. he if you look, he was born in October. He was born on southern hemisphere time, so he's now really just now turning four. so he should really be hitting his stride. I don't know what to think about the uh, the running line there or the 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 facts there may be skewed a little bit. i I think this horse is worth a look. I hate the post. I don't feel win from number 11, but, uh, you know, this horse going forward, I think he's got a shot to be, to, to win some races. Agreed. You know, as for the pick, I, I don't know what to do here. I, I'm, I'm torn between holiday analyze it. Like I said, I'd, I'd like to use Ivar, but uh, you know, I, I'm definitely going to use I, the play for me might be to use parlor underneath because he's, he's, he's three out of four, just hitting the board at Keeneland and then he gets riskfully. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, Rispley's as, as hot as any rider going right now. So, you know, I think you got to use him. I don't like that price six to one on him is a little too cheap. I think you need probably twelve to one. Uh, the way I bet he
1: drifts up. I bet the horse drifts up. To be honest, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. he just he he kind of gets in his own way sometimes. So, you know, I don't want six to one on a horse like that. So, you know, if if you're spreading here, I think you use Holiday, and Flavius, Analyze at Parlor, and Ivar. And, you know, but, uh, like, you know, some of these others without parole, he, he, he came here with a lot of fanfare. He just hasn't, hasn't cashed a you know, a, a big check yet in five starts. Um, uh, you know, Chad Brown ran four at Saratoga in the four-star day a few weeks ago and, and none of them hit the board. So he's got four horses here. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do here, but, uh, it's a fun race to be, uh, interesting to watch. I'm probably going to use a few here and let's close it out with race 11 allowance, optional claimer, seven furlongs on the dirt. These are non-winners of two other than Maiden claiming uh, three years old up the male variety. Uh, and this is a wide-open race. Uh, Brandon, let's start with you. How do you plan to screw this card up?
3: <laughs> if I hadn't already. I, you know, honestly, I wanted to go back to just one thing that we just mentioned in the other race. Uh, Umberto's taking that mount over Florent Giroux. And Maker was about as hot as a trainer could get at Kentucky Downs. So, I don't know. But anyway, let's go on to, like you said, race 11. I've definitely, uh, shake sh- 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 me up. The number one, <laughs> I love I love Corey here in this spot. Uh, I'm going to play something real crazy here, though. I have the Demon. Number three, Joe Talamo, Michael Campbell. I don't really know much about that trainer. Uh, but that horseless seems to be working lights out. I'd love to see something big come home. That's a 30 to one morning line. I mean, if these Arlington works are like, uh, any indication of how this horse is doing, I like it. Uh, and then I'm, I hate to be so outside on a card. That's, that's so unique all day, but I feel like I've been picking some outside horses, uh, going tough love with Mitchell Merle, uh, sitting in the 11th spot, uh, this horse has got a great potential here. Uh, comes out of Churchill Downs. I'm not really fond of the workouts at all, but I think maybe this horse is just staying in condition. Uh, they're training him softly and, you know, to get the next race. And this is the next win for him.
1: Okay. Alan. Uh, I, you know, I like a couple
3: of the ones Brandon just mentioned. I think it's
1: a wide open race, but uh, I, like, I want to condense the three I like. Overall to uh, Sir Alfred James come off the win at uh, Churchill over coastal defense who came back and run very impressively. I like Sir Alfred James. I like straight shot for Ian Wilkes and Julian Leperu, coming off a 59-4 bullet. When, when Wilkes works fast, you got to pay attention. And this, this guy came off a, a year layoff at uh, Ellis Park to go right by Edgemont Road who came back to win by eight, and Edgemont Road looked like he had the horse. Won, the race one. That was a pretty impressive effort, too, back by Straight Shot. And then when you throw in that 59-4 uh, and four work, so Straight Shot and Sorrowful James are near the top of my list. Include Tank Commander, who didn't run an absolute step trying two turns the last time on uh, Derby Day. But this is a seven furlong horse who came off a long up to just blow him off the track at seven furlongs. He's back in his game going uh, the elongated sprint. I'll take Tank Commander as the uh, a slight edge over straight shot in Sir Alfred James.
0: I like Savvy here. I think the turn back is perfect for him. He he ran in that tough Derby Day allowance race uh, that was won by Aurelius Maximus, and Bodie Express was second. And he broke from the 11 hole, and he he suffered a wide trip there. Think this horse probably wants to go one turn, and he gets Rosario, which is a plus from you know Manny Franco. But I mean, it's not too much of a a, a jockey change, but it's still you know Rosario is one of the best in the nation. So uh, I I think he'll be rolling late. And you know, if you if if you if you're running out of money on your ticket, you know that that might be the way to go. Is just a single here, maybe get get one one top choice home but i'm like Allen. i like tank commander i think this horse has got a little bit of quality he bounced significantly the horse probably has a lot of problems as uh, evident by the he was in that same race with savvy as a matter of fact but uh you know you don't see donnie donnie von hamel at keeneland very often so maybe uh maybe this horse uh, is ready for a big effort so you know for me i would uh, wind up with uh savvy and with a nod to tank commander not and brandon's hide the demon I, I you know this horse looks like he may be rounding in the form so mm-hmm, he might yeah. be worth, yeah that's that's another one might be worth a look off those uh uh those well the, the workouts were before the last race so uh you know the horse should be fit and ready for a start and uh ready for a big run here in the last race so uh that's it for keeneland on this wonderful saturday of racing uh brandon we didn't get your picks for the preakness you got anything uh you're looking at for preakness
3: 145 oh i really appreciate this opportunity i'm very excited uh, i'll be honest it, it, authentic uh, if the, if if he can come off that last uh you know obviously the Kentucky derby uh you can't you can't beat that horse that was the fastest derby i've ever seen i think in my lifetime you know it was almost close to secretariat's time so it was kind of weird uh in that regard our collector swiss skydiver i love thousand words though i've been waiting for this horse to run can't wait to see what happens uh and then mr big news i mean they're all together so uh max player could definitely have an outside shot uh but really, Thousand Words, Swiss and Art Collector, Brian Hernandez, a guest speaker on the podcast. He's going to be in the Winter circle and be the prime time come Pimlico Prignus Day. All
0: right, hang on. Who, who is your top
3: selection? <sighs> I want Thousand Words. Okay. 100%.
0: 100%. You're, you're behind Thousand Words. We're going to hold you to that. Please do. Sounds good. Okay. All right. That's it for episode 21 of the auxiliary gate podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We we thank Dan Cronin for joining us. Uh, Before we go guys, anything else?
1: Oh, nothing. This is our third week, our third pod in the week. That makes it a tripod. Is that correct?
0: That's a good one. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Indeed. I think I saw you tweet that out. I have to retweet that (laughs) when I get home. Okay, guys, that's all for now. Good luck. Uh, safe trip for all. And we'll see you next week for more exciting Kentucky racing. This is CC Broughtis on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers. And remember, gambling money ain't got no home.